Welcome to the Raising Cinephiles podcast, a show about passing on your love of cinema to the next generation. I'm your host, Jessica Cantor, and I have worked in all facets of the entertainment industry for the last 20 years, and recently became a mom. This week, our guest is director Stephanie Lang. She's a prolific filmmaker that tackles subject matter that's true or deals with real topics. We discuss her most recent project, Apple TV's Physical, and how raising a cinephile entails watching challenging stories. Stephanie also shares how her children love cinema and also can be some of the harshest critics. Always remember that myself and guests are speaking from personal experience, not giving parenting advice. Let's go ahead and dive into the episode. Hi, and welcome back to the Raising Cinephiles podcast. This is your host, Jessica Cantor, and today I am here with director Stephanie Lang, most recently directing physical on Apple TV. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm going to jump into our first question. What is your first movie memory? My first movie memory is Grease. I went to see it in the theater at a very, very young age, and it was packed and completely not like a completely a fire hazard because people were sitting in the aisles. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's my very first memory. Grease? had a huge impact on me as a kid. In my younger years, I lived in a small town in Florida and they had a sock hop. And so I wore black spandex and a black top and everybody made fun of me because nobody got that I was dressing up as Sandy. I didn't understand. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, I don't, I don't even, I need to feel like I need to look it up to see what year it came out to feel, to realize how young I was, but I was not, I mean, I must've been like five. I just remember Mm -hmm. sitting next to my parents and the aisle and just like loving every second of it and just feeling so at home. Mm -hmm. And what was the ritual with your family going to see movies as you were growing up? We, we went every weekend. Like I, I feel like it was just, just always such a part of our family. You know, we, I grew up in the Midwest in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we, it was, I think our weekends were really always structured around like two restaurants because it was a small, you know, town at the time. And then the movie, like what mm-hmm. could we see? And then sometimes we would go to a concert, but that was rare. Yeah. And then as you were growing up, when I always think the transition of what your parents feed you versus what you start to choose, really interesting and curious what that transition was like for you. Well, I had, I have an older brother and I started like sneaking and watching horror films. And so I have a distinct memory of hiding in the living room and watching Phantasm Mm -hmm. and being scared to death, but like also like sneaking and trying to watch like any Halloween movie or anything, you know, like that. So it just became all about these horror films that I was not allowed to be watching at the time, but just would do anything I could to watch them. So maybe that's shaped my dark sensibility. (laughs) (laughs) And how old were you when you, when you started having this appetite for horror? I mean, I would have, I guess, like 10, you know, wow. maybe eight, eight to like eight to 10. Cause it was definitely, I should definitely not have been watching Phantasm. I remember being like watching it and, and so scared that I like, which is irrational when I say what I did to uh, like, I packed up all my stuffed animals in a bag and was like prepared to get them out of the house if something happened to the stuffed animals. <laughs> so it was not a rational reaction to watching a horror film, but I was going to save my stuffed animals. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you loved them, right? I think about the relationship my my son has with his stuffed animals that he's 21 months, but he feeds them and loves them. <laughs> you know? I know. It's just like a very distinct memory of this trash bag of stuffed animals that I think lived in the trash bag for several months. Because like, <laughs> Something's going to happen. I got to get them out the window. Oh, that's great. I mean, terrifying. And if your parents had found out that you were watching these horror films, did they find out or like, what, what was that? I, I don't think they ever knew at all. Like, to be honest, I don't think they had a clue. And then I think, cause then I just went from, you know, from horror films for me to like the complete opposite of like when Harry met Sally or parenthood, you mm-hmm. know, it's like going to see parenthood, the original film, like as many times as I possibly could in the theater. And sort of, I went from like, horror straight to comedy. (laughs) I also loved Parenthood. I watched it many, many times. What I mean, and and if you think about that movie now, I don't think it would have ever gone gone to theaters. No, there's no way, right? I mean, no. And it's just, it's so complex and so nuanced. And I mean, I think about Diane Weiss line all the time where she's like, I peed in a field, you know, I was at Woodstock. I'm not like what my obsession was with watching that movie. I'm not sure, but I just, it felt so real. Real. It felt really real. And that, I don't know, I must've been too young for, I must've been 11 or 12 when I was watching it, if not younger. And I I saw it in theaters too. And I think maybe I, I got, I felt like I was getting an adult view of the world. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps you know it was it was so honest and and the, the you know the relationships and the, the sexual relationships and the t- the teenager hating his mom and you know. oh yeah I know I think that's it I think you're right I think I'm I don't know how old I was when I was watching it but definitely um, yeah I think it really painted like I felt like I was in on this adult group or this and, and also a big family and I come from a small family and so yeah. something really appealing about that and like the closeness but also the fights and just how honest all the comedy felt and just yeah. you know, like catchy it was I mean just Steve Martin is like incredible in that yeah you know you bring it up and it I think about and it's been a long time since I saw it so please correct me if I'm completely wrong but there is some parallel visually of that to physical it's almost in the same yeah. similar era right yeah I don't know you're, you're not wrong. And I've not put that together at all until just talking to you about it. I don't know what year that's supposed to be in, but it definitely, it has to be within that same time frame, And it, it does feel very, like the wardrobe is similar, like mm-hmm. for some of the characters, you know, like uh, certainly Mary Steenburgen and, and, uh, and oh my God, the woman who plays Rick Moranis' wife, like they're very much dressed. It's like, it has to be within that time period. So maybe that's also shaped my the way I want to tell stories in ways I didn't even think about until now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's, and also the, the, there was a darkness that undercurrent, what was happening in parent, like the reality of that and, and the undercurrent that's happening in physical, which if I'm honest, when I first started watching it, I had a lot of trouble, especially mm. as a, a recovering disordered eater, I think mm. is the right way to say it these days. Yeah. But, it was really hard for me to engage in the freneticism of it because I have to say like the freedom I had as I recovered was the space in my mind. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah. so I really felt that 
throughout this, especially this most recent season of how she's battling, you know, and I think for, for me also, it was the, it was the like planning of it, of finding the space for the disorder in my life and how much room it took and how heavy that was. And when that went away, I was like, oh, I can be productive with life because I have room and space. And um, so that yeah, it, it was, it, I mean, it was very hard at first for me to watch it. And I went back and went through it. And it's still hard to watch, but it definitely resonates with me. Yeah, it's interesting because I found like, I read this, the script, obviously, you know, Craig Gillespie directed the first episode and I was brought in season one to do half the season. Um, and I too, like suffer from my own form of disordered eating. So I felt I related to it. And I, I was like, oh, that's her voice is really mean to herself and to other people. How are we going to pull that off? You know, and, um, and, and and I think we wanted it to be um, disconcerting, right? We want mm-hmm. it's not an easy because I think when people, especially season one, people came into it thinking it's going to be this fun '80s show, and it's all, oh, it's just fun. It's like no, mm-hmm. there's a very dark undertone here of something that's very real for so many women and men. And we just really wanted to present that as honestly as we could. And so I think for me, visually, like when tackling those scenes, you know, it changed from season to season how we tackled them. But um, but certainly like taking such care with them, but also knowing it was going to make people feel uncomfortable because I felt uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in, even in the way that I relate to it. And it's so interesting what you say about this space in your brain because it's such a viol- like your intrusive thoughts are just a violation sometimes. You yeah. don't think that out. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's, it's a, it's a very, it's an important show that's very deep disguised in some ways as yeah. a fun ride about with aerobics and eighties music. It's a really fun <laughs> costume. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it definitely has a huge amount of depth and, and I, I, you know, especially being a parent watching it and, you know, giving her a daughter specifically, Yes. Um, as a, you know, and, and I think about the cycles of disordered eating through generations. Um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, I, I don't know if you have daughters or sons, but how that. I have both. And I will say like, much like they always say art, you know, imitates life in, in reverse. Like, you know, my daughter is, she does suffer from disordered eating and it's not something I talk about very often, but it was very interesting because she didn't, um, it wasn't, it wasn't really something she, she dealt with until I was already on physical. So it did become this like interesting thing of like, wait, I suffer from this now. She's suffering from her own version of this. And to be honest, like, it's also like, I don't, I, I don't want her to watch the show right now. I don't think she, I think she's, it's too new for her. Right. She is mm-hmm. like just kind of diagnosed and dealing with it. And I'm like, I don't, normally they watch my stuff. I'm like, I don't know if this one is the right one, you know? Yeah. It's like, too soon. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you're dealing with your own kind of that voice, but some, you know, it, it, I'm, you know, was having a conversation with my mom the other day and that's something she's working on speaking kinder to herself and yes. what a challenge that is for so many women. And even outside of disordered eating of just, you know, you're also watching a woman starting a business and, discover who she is outside of where the patriarch was then, which was definitely even more intrusive than it is today in some ways. It was really interesting too in season three, how getting rid of that voice 
actually in some ways she thought might have been hurting her motivation because it's so hard to be a woman in business that it fueled her in a lot of ways. And so it's, it was a in, really, really interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, because we think that we always, when, when we're suffering from something, right, we feel like we, we, we uh, thrive in chaos or we need this, you know, this negative thing to fuel us. And I think it's absolutely, I mean, that was intentional to like that moment when the voice goes away. And then it's like, I mean, I think even at the end of season two, when she says, I don't know if I still have it in me anymore, you know? Yeah. Fight and as it comes back to her. But I, um, I, I, I relate to that too about just how we talk to our kids. I find myself like all the time, stopping what I'm saying when you're like, oh, I'm like, because women do this all the time. They're like, I'm going to be good today. You're like, what does that even mean? My mom used to say that all the time. I'm only having salads. I'm only having yeah. salads for the rest of the week. And you're like, that is not true. You're not going to only have salads for the rest of the week. Why are you saying that to yourself? And then setting up a vicious cycle for yourself over a circle that you've said, now you disappoint yourself when you know you're not going to have the salad. So why say that? You know, yeah. we constantly set ourselves up that way. So this new language of, with my kids, myself as well, of just like, I'm going to eat healthy today. I'm going to eat when yeah. I'm hungry today. And and tomorrow I might have this thing and there's no, there's nothing wrong with me or wrong with that. It's just a choice yeah. of my own in this moment. And I think if that's one of the things hopefully like people would do, who do watch physical can take, you know, we're bringing light to something that's so rarely shown on television at all. And have a conversation about it or even have their own internal thoughts about it and just yeah. accepting themselves for, you know, who they are and making choices and not saying like, you know, living up to society's need to say, or, you know, wanting to, uh, to conform to society of like, I have to be better today. What is that? Even? I don't know. What yeah. That you know, and the, <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I love the, when she was in the re, the rehabish center, I don't know if it's considered rehab, but therapy center, she the meditation with the food and <laughs> like the the journey around that, and you know one of the things for me that actually helped my relationship with food was learning to taste, mm. like just really taking the time to let food be a joy, you know, let it be fuel, let it make me strong, and and then teaching my son to eat. It's so interesting, especially with a toddler. You know, it's like trying so hard not to say one, just have one more bite, like allowing him to really listen to his body, to introduce all sorts of different kinds of foods and let him develop flavor and taste and, and then also let him know what food does for him. Like this is going to help your eyesight and this is going to give you muscles and, you know, and how it's not seen as something that's like, I, I mean, I remember as a teenager, having to go out to dinner and eating as quickly as possible because I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> it was such torture to sit at a table around food. God makes so much sense. I like and and when my kids were toddlers too, just like laying the food out and being like, okay, you're just gonna come by and graze at some point. You're gonna eat something when your body tells <laughs> you that you want to eat. And I mean one of my it is one of my favorite scenes in the series that when they all try the orange in that therapy session and 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 in directing it, talking to every actor, just like how your character would taste this or like how you would go about that and really mm -hmm. trying to just have them each do it in a different way um, that we all would, you know, as human beings. So I really, I really loved that scene, just like the, when she peels it finally. And like you said, it's just this ability to let yourself taste something and yeah. enjoy it for, um, for how it fuels your body. I mean, my daughter was, 
vegetarian. She would probably still say she is, but she's not because she has chicken on a regular basis. <laughs> but, but for years, like my, my ex-husband would be like trying to force her to eat meat. And I'm like, it doesn't, that's not, it's not going to happen except where we are. Right. Yeah. Make too much of a thing out of it and just let her go through this this is where she is right now. So let's just make sure she's eating healthy and it's not just cheese pizza all the time. Um, and then maybe a year ago she came to me and was like, I think I want, I think I really want some chicken tonight. Is that okay? And it's like, of course it's okay. Maybe it's your body just telling you you need protein and you should just try it. There's no judgment. If it, and then you don't ever don't have it again if it's not for you, you know, but mm-hmm. it is interesting to see. She does that. She's vegetarian, but then she's has chicken from yeah. time to time. Yeah. yeah. Is it like, instead of a pescatarian, a, a pulitarian? Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Come up with a new term. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very specific. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, when supposedly when I was a little girl, I would go into the refrigerator and eat butter by the stick. Like I would just bite into butter. My mom was so grossed out and would call a pediatrician and they said like, I, I just needed it to let me eat it. At that age, there's you just go for what your body needs. And you know, yeah. when I'm making toast, I looked at my son one day and I was like, all right, because he's he's like tall and skinny is his build, like since he was born. Uh-huh. So it's like a forever for me and wanting to get some meat on his bones, you know? And so I'm like, do you want to bite a butter? And he's like, yes. I saw him like licking it off the toast, more sauce more sauce. I'm like, Oh, you want more butter. Okay. (laughs) You know, so, you know, it is whatever he needs. And then the next day he doesn't want anything. And then it's a whole carton of blueberries. It's like, it depends, right. It's like you said, it's like sort of listening to what your body wants. If you can get, if you can get to that place. And then, and then sometimes your body wants a bag of Cheetos. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's been a journey and it's such an important, show and journey and so like conversations come up a lot in these in this podcast about introducing your children how different types of cinema and I think what it means to be a cinephile is to be okay with not easy content mm-hmm. you know with the idea of being challenged having your worldview challenged having your culture challenged and so it's really I think this this era of streaming there's a lot of controversy against right now in this striking world or whatever, but there's something beautiful happening in television where we're getting challenging content. You know, it's, yeah. it's not that it's not the typical broadcast television that we're had when we were younger. So. Yeah. It's not all wrapped in a pretty package. That's like, this family is terrific. You're like, no, they're not. Or in the case of physical, like there's a lot of people struggling with real issues on the show and not making great choices, you know, but still, still trying to, I mean, my kids, like we've watched so many movies, like through their childhood and stuff. And I, I'm going to come back to horror now. And I tell you that my daughter like wanted to have, um, she's a teenager but she was like you know you know how teenagers are they like don't want to spend a lot of time with you and i was filming physical and i got this call from her she's like i really want to watch this movie with you tonight and i was like oh my god do you want to spend time with me and so <laughs> yes please and she's like let's watch in your room we'll have popcorn so we she queued up this movie on my bed and it was good night mommy <laughs> it was the original and they just torture and kill the mother <laughs> i was like wait a second <laughs> What are you trying to tell me? She's like, 
I just, I just wanted to see it. And then, and then, but it did come out like later, like she was angry with me for some stuff. It was just very interesting that like they, you know, I feel like they can not, not that she wants to torture and kill me, but she felt like she could share this moment of anything. Like you said, it's like complicated shows or cinema that you're like, this is not an easy subject matter, but let's watch this together. And, and, and then we've bonded over, um, also she has a love of horror films. So now we just see every single horror movie there is and, and critique them, you know, harshly. Um, and then, and then my son is like obsessed with, um, you know, animated uh, movies. And I, re I remembered like knowing I was going to be talking to you. I remembered a moment when he was in elementary school, you're we watching, he hated Frozen, like hated it with such a passion and, and loved the Kung Fu Panda, I think it was two or something that came out that year. And when the Golden Globes came on and, and they announced like Frozen one, he stood up screaming and was so mad. He was like, I can't take this shit. It's not Frozen. It's, I was very, very opinionated about it. So I'm definitely raising kids who are very like opinionated every on their cinema. <laughs> do you. you do you remember the first films you showed them? I they One of the first films that they saw was Up. Was Huck? Up. Up. Okay. Yeah. And Ratatouille. And they're very divided. Two of them think that Up is a better movie and one of them thinks that Ratatouille is. But I think that, yeah, we just, I just remember being in the cinema with them watching Up and how much they loved it, you know? How, how old, how old were they? When did that come out? I'm going to, I feel like, I'm going to look it up so I can tell you. I ask these questions because I'm trying to figure out when's the right time to bring my son to the cinema. Yeah. Mine were little. 2009. 2009. So my son would have been, okay, so four, okay. three, and two. Okay. Yeah. And the yeah. two-year-old was okay? I don't think he remembers much of it, but he was okay. Yes. Yeah. I think that, um, and then we just went to movies all the time. I mean, and the two-year-old is the one who hated Frozen okay. <laughs> and, um, and would get mad, wouldn't, didn't want to share popcorn at the cinema. It had to be, you know. Yeah, when he could, when he should have popcorn and not, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. uh, yeah. Um, I've been trying to think of a snack for under five-year-olds that has the same feeling of popcorn, but won't be choking hazard. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think he used to take like those little puffs. That, yeah. You know, where he took the puffs or goldfish crackers because it's like, I can't give you popcorn. It's too... It's dangerous. too dangerous. Yeah. And we do a lot of dehydrated fruits. So I'm trying to oh, see if, if there's like a version of like a dehydrated corn that oh yeah. That won't expand like the way popcorn yeah. can in their lungs. There must be, right? There's gotta be, if not, you know, my first product. There you go. <laughs> Start <of> your <laughs> So as I asked this a lot. And we didn't go as much in, into kind of your journey into cinema as I typically do in my episodes. Um, so I'm going to rewind a little bit mm. as I kind of get here. But was there a particular movie experience that made you realize that you could work in movies? I think from the minute, you know, that I saw Grease, I, part of me was hooked and, and wondered how I could work in the movies. I saw... Um, the Warriors, you know, that really old film. Oh my God. That I, again, probably inappropriately watched at a very young age, but just felt like I want to be in that world. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to, I just, I can't even say 
I really think it just goes back to when I saw Greece and just like sitting and how magical it felt to like be in this packed theater mm-hmm. and sit in the aisles and watch all these people around me just love this experience so much. Um, and I think in that moment, it just clicked for me that I just, I knew I wanted to be in this and in this business and I wanted to tell stories. And then for career wise, just, you know, sitting in Cincinnati, figuring out how the hell that was going to happen, just mm-hmm. went to every movie I could. And like I said, watched, went to Parenthood numerous times, went to see When Harry Met Sally, like as many times as I possibly could and just absorbed every single thing I could about that way or that, that mm-hmm. way those stories were told. And then, um, you know, and then took a chance and left a small town and came to Hollywood trying to figure it out. <laughs> As you were watching all all of those movies and you had a, it seems like a tremendous freedom in doing so. How did you feel like you developed your taste? I think that because I was obsessed with horror films and then dark comedy, I think always, right. That it really, um, that, it's, it was like undeniable, it was an undeniable path or an undeniable taste for me. I feel like everything that I was attracted to had something to say about the world that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And I feel very much about that right now. I mean, the stories I want to tell are like either based on something that really happened or based on something that we deal with every day. And I'm not, you know, even if like when I did um, Made for Love, it was like science fiction, but it was really about an abusive relationship. So I think I studied you know, watching movies and watching TV, like I just was care. It was a character study the entire time of just mm-hmm. tiny little things and little nuances and the way people walk and obviously talk, but just what are their mannerisms, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just became such a great observer of that and such a lover of, um, you know, of storytelling that way that it just, I think it was undeniable for me. And then also like life is hard, you know, everything, it's so hard to, like we're dealing with a difficult time now, but it seems like every year just gets harder and harder. So there's only, you know, I'm quoting Alyssa Nutting who created made for love, but you know, we were talking and she's like, well, comedy is the only thing that hasn't tried to kill me. So (laughs) that's what I think it is. That's my new thing is the sort of like, well, of course you turn to things that make you laugh because that also is a connector of, um, of people and ideas and, or being able to, you know, do a show like physical where you can, you know, shed light on a, on a difficult subject, but with some humor, you know, um, that feels important. Yeah. I I always think, I mean, who, I don't know who said this. I feel like it's like a version of a Shakespeare quote, but how comedy is tragedy with timing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and it's like amazing with horror also. I was, um, because when it's done wrong, it's hysterical. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't name the movie, but there was one we saw recently where I I laughed out loud in the movie theater because it was so absurdly bad, you know? And then there are ones that you watch and you're like, oh, that's art. <laughs> that's yeah. Like, yeah. That's art. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the horror genre. And I'm, I'm thinking starting in the new year, I'm going to start Seasons around the podcast other than just ongoing conversations. And I think my first season, cause I, I wasn't allowed to watch horror until I was older. Cause I was pretty scared of things and I've, I love horror and especially as a genre for filmmakers to, to explore and discover their voice, especially visually. I think yeah. horror is such an amazing medium for that. And so I'm really wanting, and then I have like a really good friend whose kid is like eight and she's like, my son really wants to see Jaws. And I'm like, I don't know. When do you think is a good time? So, you know, yeah. it's that, those conversations of how do you introduce challenging subjects 
to your children and through the lens of horror is is somewhat interesting. Oh, I really love that. I know my my brother like they had a big debate over when did when they should let their girls see the Titanic. <laughs> you know, I remember being like, "That's no big deal. It's just the Titanic." Right? I didn't have kids at the time. And I was like, I mean, now in hindsight, I kind of understand it, but it was like. That's just the Titanic, but obviously that's because I wasn't supervised as a child and was allowed to watch Phantasm when I was eight years old. So. Yeah, you know, I I was my son woke up very very early this morning, and I was like, I need I need to turn on the TV so I can have coffee. Like I just need a few minutes, so I just like found the original Mister Rogers, and I put it on, and the first episode is dealing with death. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Like the goldfish dies and they bury it. And then he talks about his dog that died. And then they like go through this whole experience of processing grief. And I was like, not what I was expecting this morning. I wonder if this is going to go over my son's head or not. I hope it does because I'm not ready for that conversation. Oh, that's, oh, I didn't know that. I loved how that show did that whole thing where they're like, let's talk about time. And then you just watched a clock tick for an entire minute and you know they would never do that on kids shows today are you kidding me the, the idea of dead airspace <laughs> never watch this for 60 seconds but we'll just watch this yeah, yeah i was surprised by that i mean it brought the titanic reminded me of that because yeah it is dealing with a massive death event you know it's it's and uh, another theme that comes up is it all really depends on the kid's sensitivity and how mm-hmm. they feel things. My son is empathetic and, and in intense moments, he'll want to sit on my lap, but then he can't take his eyes off the screen. Right. Gosh, he was really way too young. I put on Jurassic Park because he was so into dinosaurs. And I meant to just show him the scene when they first see the dinosaurs. And I didn't realize there was this whole scary intro that happened first. <laughs> And he didn't get, he, he was like, oh, a dinosaur, you know? <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. But like, not film related, but TV, my, uh, my older kids loved Stranger Things, like season one. And Watson was eight, I think, when it came out. And he was watching and then, but very like upset when the boy was, had, you know, when, it, when they found the body. And I turned and he was crying. And I'm like, oh, this is not, he should not be you know, shouldn't be in this living room watching this with his older sister and older brother, but just that realizing how sensitive he was now pulled into, you know, death on you know, on a TV show. So, yeah. I mean, that's an, another theme I'm hearing is that the younger siblings of families get exposed to much more advanced stories and topics than their age or than their older siblings did at, at the same age. And, and I hear it from from you know my guests themselves who are younger siblings who got dragged to the theater at two years old to see things, right. and then also you know in families. I'm curious for for your kids. Do they have a culture around going to the movies with their friends? Yes, they go to the movies all the time. They the one I will say they don't really they don't really love the Marvel stuff. They're not into that. Like that's not definitely not their culture, but they will go for any any horror film. And they're my kids are big fans of Edgar Wright. So um we went to see uh was it is it last night in Soho? Yeah, whatever. I can't remember that one, but if that's what it's called, I think it is. Um and I, I was so I had such a proud moment because I was sitting next to my older son who's like, now that's a movie. You know, and, and again, like I think my kids are harsh critics of, of, 
of films because it's just kind of our culture as a family, right? To to just enjoy them and sometimes to hate watch them if they're really bad. But um, but yeah, they're very big, very big uh, horror films. And 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 Edgar Wright and anything from Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. they'll they, they'll love that. But they have no desire to see. They we went to see the Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. and they were very divided over it. And I was like, well, it is, this is the kind of movie that it is. That's what it is. It's just fun. I had fun. I, I thought it was great. It was super fun. And they were like, no. What, what did they think about like the knives out series? They loved the first um, knives out. And I think they were not, they were, they weren't as into the glass onion as they were the knives out. So, they, and then yeah. I think, well, I think what their teens, like they're harsh critics, right? Cause they pick up on stuff right away and they're like, knives out totally original. And this is just a copy of that. Or this or it's very discerning taste sometimes. Yeah. I'm but, curious yeah. how they'll feel about the new Kenneth Branagh coming out, which, you know, is an Agatha Christie, which they're all inspired by. I think they might like, I'm actually, I think we're going to see it this weekend because I keep saying I heard it's darker than the other ones. And, so I was like, I think you guys will, you might like this one better than the last one. So, yeah, I I have that one on my list. I don't uh, get out to the movies as much as I would like at the moment because of the babysitter thing yep. <laughs> and the fatigue thing. You know, so. Yeah, it sounds fun until you actually have to get in the car yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. I recently saw Poltergeist at Cinespia, which was oh. really fun. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed seeing seeing that film and on a big screen and in a cemetery. <laughs> I need to do that. That's something I need to do with my kids. Actually, we've never, I've never taken them to the, the cemetery for the movie. I need to do that with mine, especially because they're so dark and love all this horror shit. <laughs> so do you like, how old were they when you introduced your kids to horror? I think that honestly, it would have been my older, again, back to this thing where like my daughter and my younger son shouldn't have seen it. So it would have been my older son and he was probably 12. Okay. I don't remember what movie it was. I wish I could remember that. But then they very quickly, you know, after seeing the first one, obviously we had a conversation about what's real and not real. And then sort of leaned into like, this is a stupid, you know, absurd story, you know? And then I think we watched um, one of the Halloweens together not long after that. So maybe by the time he was 13, you know, I did have a sleepover once that, where they, this is going to sound terrible because they had watched, it wasn't Chucky, but they had watched a horror film and they were in middle school at the time and none of the boys would go to sleep. And I did a terrible thing and I came downstairs and told them that Chucky was going to come and get them if they didn't go to bed. <laughs> They're all like lying in their beds. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Like if you don't go to sleep, Chucky's coming. And actually you, you made me just remember something. I took them to see Coraline. That's their first thing that they saw that wasn't horror, but I did not know how scary that movie was and that there was another, the other mother with the button eyes. So my kids were quite young and we went to see Coraline in the theater and it scared the living shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, gosh, I haven't seen that in so long. I like, I mean, the other one, I really can't wait to show my son that sort of like horror adjacent is Beetlejuice. Yes. Yes. You know, I think that for me was maybe a gateway in, into liking quirky, weird kind yeah. of Halloween feeling movies like that and Edward Scissorhands. Yes. Two classics, right? I know my daughter is obsessed with Beetlejuice and like I think watches it every couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great ones. So cool. I'm. Ooh, yeah. That was. Yeah. I saw that one on. Uh, is it on Disney? Is it on Disney? Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure. I, you know, I was looking through stuff 
to put on in the background right now, you know, you, you mentioned up was one of the first movies we've been watching the shorts, the, uh, about the dog, the dog yeah. days. And my I son really it. likes them. I had put on up, but it's not, it's a little too complicated for him still. Right. Right. That makes sense. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you my last question, which is if I were to choose a film to show my son and he can be at any age that he falls in love with cinema, what movie should I show him? I'm going to say the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's a great one. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, it's got all the things, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely absurd, but there's meaning and there's, there are great characters, there's comedy and it's just, it's so well done, but the original one for sure. Yes. The original. I, I think it was like third grade or fourth grade, we put on the play, a play version of it. And I was the gum chewing girl. And I still remember my monologue. <laughs> it's not that I'm a performer in any way, really. But <laughs> I love that movie so much. I, I mean, it was definitely a staple for me. I watched it a lot. And yeah. then I still think about the Mike TV moment when he gets turned yeah. into particles yes. over you because it's so has a lot to do with what's happening in technology today yeah. and what it means to be on a screen and screen time. It's just such a great metaphor for that. It's such a metaphor. I think it's like, there's so much nuance in that. And obviously in the way they could, you know, even film it at that time, it just as a story and cinematically just stands up. And then also like makes you like love where, where we've gone to be able to tell our stories visually when you watch other versions and, or watch any other, like, I think it's just such a great place to start to kind of go, here's a really good family film. Yeah. You know, that, that movie would also make an incredible immersive exhibition. Yes. It would. Because like, like, you know, you having like licking, like smell walls and yes. like, you know, the world, like a, a chocolate river. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be very sanitary, but it would be <laughs> really fun. Yeah. I would try to do that. Or like a bar mitzvah theme. thank you so much for joining me today this was a wonderful conversation thank you for having me it was such an incredible podcast i love it if you enjoyed the conversation please don't forget to like and subscribe new episodes release every wednesday and leave a comment and let me know which movie you think i should show my son until next time take care